So you're a dedicated radical personal finance listener. You know that you need to constantly be learning and studying in your field in order to develop yourself and increase your income. So how do you do that? Well, a bunch of ways to do that. But probably one component of your self-education plan is audiobooks. But where do you go to get audiobooks at the best deal and in the best way? Today, I'm going to share with you my ideas and my survey of the marketplace and tell you where I think you should go and where I think you should start, tell you who I think are the best providers and why. And I'm going to launch an affiliate program. And this is the way that Radical Personal Finance does affiliates. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we talk about audiobooks, kind of that cross between books <laughs> and audio, <laughs> to be corny. Uh, cross, though, kind of like a podcast, but better, called Audiobooks. And today, we're going to talk about where you go. Should you go to audiobooks.com, audible.com, to your local library, downpour, scribe? Where do you turn? Today, I answer that. Also, as I said in the teaser, I'm going to be launching some affiliate programs at the end of the show. I will make that all clear then, but just to, just so that you know what to expect coming up, I'm launching affiliate programs for some audiobook providers. I'm going to tell you who I think is the best audiobook provider and why, but I'm going to do this in a way that will educate you on the marketplace. I haven't talked much about some of the affiliate programs that I've been launching on the show. I've just been little by little doing it, and I haven't had a chance yet to share with you uh, all of the details of what I am doing. But the short story is this. As I, we've focused first for the last few months on building the Patreon campaign, and that has been awesome. And I thank each and every one of you who supports the show directly. If you don't do that, go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron and support the show directly. You are the foundation of Radical Personal Finance. We had the goal of building the revenue of the show to 6000 a month by June 1, and we didn't get there. So what that means is I need to continue to launch some additional forms of revenue from the show in order to be able to pay my bills and be able to do, keep bringing you the show with the depth and the consistency that I'm bringing it to, to you. And so I've got to make some additional money. Well, the best way long-term for me to make money is launching my own products and services and solutions for you all. But that's also the most time and labor intensive. As with most things, there's a trade-off between the benefit, <laughs> the value, and the work. And those things are the highest value activities, but they're also the most work. So they're the best long-term solutions for me to be focused on, but they're the worst short-term solutions for me to be focused on. And so I've got to start with shorter-term solutions, which is affiliate programs, representing and selling products and services that I think are useful that other people are providing. And so that's what I'm going to be doing for you, uh, doing for you today. Uh, but I want to do it a little bit different. My frustration with the way that many online marketers promote affiliate programs is they do, they do it – I don't know whether it's an – I, I shouldn't say underhanded way. I'll just say that they simply do it in an incomplete way where instead of providing a survey of the marketplace and saying here, is the op here are the options that are available, you can look at option one, option two, option three, rather what they actually do is they 
simply say, here's the option, and it's the best. Well, no product and no solution and no service provider is the best in every situation. It's simply not possible. Rather, each product and each solution and each service provider might be the best in a specific situation. And so good professional selling and good professional marketing is all about creating a perfect fit between the buyer and the seller and making sure that the customer is buying exactly the right product that will solve their problem when they need their problem solved. That's good professional selling. That's good professional marketing. And effective marketers know this. They know that in order to build an effective business, the goal is to reach their die-hard core fans. So why don't we do this with affiliate marketing? Why don't we lay out the landscape a little bit? And that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do differently. So we're going to do this the radical personal finance way. Now, I would obviously have to be a little bit concerned. I would have to consider this very carefully if a company walked in waving handfuls of cash in my face and says, Joshua, we want to be the exclusive provider and we want to, uh, you to just talk about our services and not, have to, uh, and not talk about anybody else. No company has done that. So thankfully, I don't have to consider that. I believe that even in that situation, however, that company, if they're going to be the best fit long term, they're going to want me to give a survey of the marketplace because people who are the best in the world at a specific area are going to be emphasizing that they're the best in the world at that specific area. I really believe that. I think that is a a major truth, that the best marketers in the world, the best salespeople in the world are the best in a specific niche, and they're looking to dominate their niche. I learned when I was doing professional face-to-face sales, I always wanted to clearly identify my competition. A little sales tip for, for any of you who are involved in sales, which, by the way, is all of you. One of the things that I think you always want to do is you always want to tell your prospective customer or client everything that they're thinking. You want to do the homework for, for them, and you want to control the dialogue, control the sales process. So... Effective salespeople, I think, learn over time that what they always want to do is focus on, uh, focus on clearly articulating all of the objections that the prospective client or prospective customer is going to have. So I learned always give my client their objections. I don't want them to give them to me. I want to go ahead and give them to them. And they think, wow, Joshua knows exactly what I'm thinking. Joshua knows exactly what I'm considering as he's talking to me. So I give them the objection and then give them the answer to the objection. So the same thing should be done with sales. We should give here are the solutions, here are the options, and that's what I'm doing today. So the reason that I started with Patreon is I have a first and fundamental duty to you, the listeners, who are stroking me checks for the content of the show. That is my biggest revenue stream right now. I don't have a duty or a specific focus and duty to the advertisers of the show. I have first a specific focus and duty to you, the listeners of the show. That's my first and, and, and most important thing. So that's why I set up Patreon the way that I did. I set it up in, in such a way so that I would be committed to the fact that you, the paying audience, are the ones to whom I, own, I owe my allegiance. And because there's a financial component behind that, because I'm actually receiving money from you, I have an incentive, a financial incentive to do that. So I'm structuring my incentives. I'm trying to structure my own personal incentives with this show in the best, most straightforward way possible. 
So a little bit, a few notes on, uh, well, it's six minutes on why I'm setting up the affiliate programs the way that I am and why I have specifically focused on doing that to start with. So let's dig into the actual topic, which is audiobooks. How does learning and how does learning through audiobooks fit into the content of Radical Personal Finance? Well, let's just revisit the framework a little bit. Learning leads to earning over time. And I try to stay pretty focused on earning and financial, the financial components of life on this show. But learning leads to earning. If you want to earn more, you first got to learn more. If you want to receive more value measured in dollars or yen or euros or pounds in the marketplace, you first got to be worth more. And so you've got to develop yourself. You've got to develop and educate yourself. You've got to become more valuable first. You can't go out to the marketplace and say, marketplace, pay me more money, and then I'll develop myself and create more value. No. You have to start and say, I'm going to develop myself and create more value, and then you go to the marketplace and say, marketplace, pay me more money. So learning first ultimately will lead to, to earning. And there may be other aspects of learning. Learning might lead to an examined life. Uh, there might just be those other non-financial components of learning too. And I don't think those are unimportant in any way. I'm just staying focused here with radical personal finance on the financial aspects of life. So the increased income will come from the increased value and education is part of that value. First education, then we have to apply the learning, apply the knowledge, apply the education to the marketplace. We also, as a other component of, of, our, uh, uh, of our framework, the, the first component is increase income. And that's what we're talking about. And also invest wisely. Step number three of the framework, invest wisely. Your best investment is usually going to be investing into yourself and into your own earning power. That's usually going to be the key, investing into yourself and into your own earning power, especially in the beginning of your life when your earning power is probably low and you have a long time during which you can be earning more money. So you want to make sure that you are investing wisely and often in the beginning is going to be investing in yourself, investing in learning. So one way of learning is with books. Why are books so incredibly important in a learning plan? Well, first, books the, – the production of a written book represents a massive amount of research time that's been compressed into something that you can read and consume in a fairly short period of time. An author of a book will take an incredible amount of time researching their topic, thinking about their topic, systematically looking through and finding the most important information on a topic. They're going to take that information from the disparate sources and they're going to organize it carefully and present it to you in the form of an organized, coherent piece of work called a book. So when you read a book, you're reading a, a synthesis. You're reading an, uh, the essence. You're reading a distillation of the knowledge that exists out in the marketplace. That's one reason why oftentimes you're going to want to read more modern books and older books. But hopefully each author that you're reading who's building on, is building on other authors, so you're getting the distilled essence of the subject matter. Books are incredible. Because they take so much, so much life experience, so much learning, and they bring it down to the core fundamentals. Plus, books give you an incredible access to mentors. They give you access to the people 
some of the most interesting and learned and and wealthy and influential and sophisticated people that exist. And they can cross the boundaries of time. They lead to amazing asynchronous communication. You can pick the brain of somebody who lived 200 years ago. And you can think about how that man or woman saw the world, the lenses through which they filtered everything. It's truly incredible. So that's a short sales pitch on books. But why audiobooks instead of books? Well, one of the downfalls of books is that they are a single-purpose activity. You can't read and really do anything else at the same time. I guess maybe you can ride a stationary bicycle in the gym and read, but it's tough to read and do anything else at the same time. When you're reading, you've got to stay completely focused on what you're reading. But audiobooks, on the other hand, can turn some of that downtime into productive time. So they can be combined with things that require your hands, but maybe not your brain. So you're driving down the road, you can listen to an audiobook. You're walking the dog, you can listen to an audiobook. You're exercising, you listen to an audiobook. You're sewing um, your pants together, you can listen to an audiobook. That's really, really useful. Audiobooks also have some benefits for some people who have, diffi- who have a difficult time processing the written word. Audiobooks are simply easier for some people, and also they might be fewer distractions. (laughs) Believe it or not, I find audiobooks are easier for me to get through because I'm less distracted. In our modern age of interruption, constant, usually digital interruption, I find it difficult to sit down and read for long periods of time. I used to be able to be much better at it, and I've been working hard to continue to practice and perfect my skills with that. Audiobooks are linear. You just start, and unless you hit stop, it's going to continue to come in. So audiobooks are a valuable supplement to books. Why should you consider consuming audiobooks instead of podcasts or in addition to podcasts? Obviously, here I am hosting Radical Personal Finance, a podcast distributed to you. If I send you off to look at audiobooks, why would that be beneficial to you? Why would I do that? Why would I send my audience away? Well, number one is back to that distillation of knowledge. Audiobooks have a far greater amount of preparation time poured into them than a podcast does. They're much more concentrated and hopefully pithy and filled with rich knowledge and insight, probably often much more than a podcast is. I spend quite a bit of time preparing my thoughts for these shows. I would say on average it takes me four... I'd say about four hours on average to prepare the outline for an episode of Radical Personal Finance at this point in time. I could do it in less, but because some of the early shows were so rambly and I always got this feedback in these reviews of Joshua, it's rambly, it's rambly, it's rambly, I said, I've got to fix this. And so in order to fix that, I've spent much more time carefully writing out my thoughts to be able to keep myself focused and effective. So probably average is about four four hours. My longest prep time, I specifically measured one show at 16 hours of prep time and compilation. I think there were shows that were longer, uh, but I, 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 I just know that I specifically measured one at 16 hours. So it varies. But even if you were going to compare 16 or 20 hours at the extreme for me preparing a podcast... Nobody has written a book in 16 hours of work. It's never happened. Most books are going to require hundreds, 
perhaps even thousands of hours of work. And even if somebody could sit down and write a book in 100 or 2 hours, they actually are not writing the book in 100 or 2 hours. They're writing it after years of experience. So audiobooks have a huge advantage over podcasts in that they should be much pithier, much more focused, much more concentrated, and that can be a real advantage. Audiobooks have an advantage over podcasts of having a much wider selection of access to incredible people and access to ideas that are probably just simply unsuitable to a podcast. simple example would be something like a biography, a biography of a great uh, noted, notable person. That person could create some podcasts perhaps to be coaching if they're alive now, but an audiobook will give you access to somebody who's a historical figure or to give you access to somebody who doesn't have any interest in, there's no market for a, an audiobook, or excuse me, for a podcast, but somebody sat down and created an audiobook of their biography or their autobiography. So audiobooks have some incredible advantages over podcasts. But podcasts have some advantages over audiobooks as well. Podcasts are much more likely to be more current. Podcasts are more accessible for different people to create. So a podcast, as an example, can be much more of a – have a more niche uh, focus. So it's a lot more difficult for uh, a mom who is a world-class Cub Scout den leader to sit down and write a book. But she might be able to create a podcast and create a series of podcast episodes and release that information. And that can be really useful to other moms who are den leaders of Cub Scouts. So because podcasts can be more accessible, you can access the ideas and information in much more niche topics. And because podcasts don't necessarily have to have a market of a certain number of books sold, they can appeal to much smaller demographics. The average podcast has uh, only a few hundred listeners. And I'm careful with using the word only because a few hundred listeners is pretty incredible. Put your, imagine yourself in a room with a few hundred people listening to you. That's pretty amazing. But if you think about it, people can create podcasts over all kinds of different things. So if you have the most esoteric interest or question or perspective, create a podcast and you'll be able to connect with some other like-minded people. And you might only need to be connected with one person to really impact uh, your life. Podcasts can be much more casual also, which can be a much more accessible format for learning. Some people have a difficult time processing ideas that come rapid fire, just boom, 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 boom in a book. That can be difficult for some people to be able to uh, absorb. So podcasts can be slower. It can be more calm and it can be more accessible. Podcasts have an advantage of having better interviews. And the synergistic effect of a good interview between an interviewer and an interviewee, especially if they're knowledgeable in their field, can be massive. Podcasts have better access to the host. So a podcast is more like almost a coaching product than is the recording of a book, excuse me, than is an audio book. And then podcasts can be cumulative over time and you can grow and progress with uh, a podcast and a podcast host. So I don't see it as a competition between audiobooks and podcasts. I don't see audiobooks as being something uh, that you should pursue instead of podcasts. I see them as something in addition to podcasts. 
they complement each other. And you should look to see what is the most effective way for me to process the information that I need to improve my life. Remember, the filter through which we are filtering our own self-education. Everything needs to be filtered through our goals. So our goals provide us the outline of the things that we need to learn in order to improve our lives. That's what our goals do. So then when you have a goal and you say, okay, here's something I need to learn. I have a goal of raising successful kids. All right, I need to learn about that. What's an aspect of that? And you discover an aspect of it. Well, I don't think there's a podcast that's – maybe there is. I don't think anyone has started a podcast yet about the topic of uh, of, – actually having a show that's entirely dedicated toward uh, raising kids that are financially successful. But there are lots of books on that. And so when you recognize that I have something that I need to go out and learn, something as specialized as I need to go out and learn how to raise – I need to design a system of finance for my kids. I need to design a a budgeting system to help them with their personal finance – well, when you sit down and you actually design that, that's going to become from an audiobook. It's not going to come from a podcast. So they, they complement each other, and you got to look to say, what's the best format for me to learn and absorb the information that I need to learn and absorb? And it might come as an audiobook or a podcast. Super quick, what about an audiobook versus an audio program? So, for example, you can go out and you can buy a comprehensive audio-based program. You could buy something from Nightingale Kona. they got hundreds of courses, many of which are great. I've taken many of them. Today, you can find courses. I'm going to be developing my own audio programs in the future, specific audio-focused learning programs, very carefully packaged. It's not a book. It's not a podcast. It's a carefully packaged, filtered, synthesized, distilled program. Well, those are also, I think, very important. Audio programs, in many ways, are a much better listening experience than an audio book is because that listening experience is primary, whereas for an audio book, the book and the written word is primary. But you're going to find a lot more variety of books available, and thus audio books and you are audio programs. So with those things as a background, let's talk about how do we improve and perfect our audiobook listening. A couple of just simple tricks and tools. First, I'd recommend that at all times, make sure that you have several audiobooks and podcasts, but I'm specifically focusing today on audiobooks. Have several audiobooks downloaded on your device, ready to go anywhere you are at all times. What's apparent in that recommendation is that I listen to audiobooks primarily on my actual device, on my phone. And if I were flat broke, the very first thing I would do, I guess I would put some food in my stomach, but I could probably get that from a food pantry somewhere. I'd figure out a way to go out and get a a, a phone, a phone that could connect to the Wi-Fi somewhere and, and start gaining information, something that I could use to start downloading uh, learning materials on them uh, just so I could absorb them. So always have a few different books downloaded on your device anywhere you go. And make sure that you have different genres of books that you're studying ready to go to suit your mood. What I find is I often will focus on learning something as it suits my mood. So I try to make sure that I always have a variety of podcasts downloaded, uh, of 
all kinds of topics and all kinds of formats. I try to make sure I have a number of audiobooks progressing at the same time. That way, depending on the activity, I can go ahead and choose something that's going to be able to be easily absorbed in that activity. If I'm driving down the road, I can pretty carefully concentrate on what I'm listening to. So in that circumstance, I'm more likely going to uh, focus and I'm going to be able to pick something that's meatier, that's more difficult for me to listen to. So I want to make sure I have something like that ready to go, something that I'm learning and I'm studying and I'm carefully processing the material as I go. If I'm doing somewhat brainless work, uh, busy work on the computer, then I want to have something that's a little bit less dense. I don't, you know, I, I've, I've heard comments from listeners that say, I can't listen to radical personal finance in the background. Now, depending on the day, that may or may not be true. Many days it's, it's not true that you could just stream the information in the background because you don't have to capture every word. But when I'm going through perhaps a technical financial planning show, that's correct. You can't play that kind of content in the background. So I want to make sure that I have something dense and meaty while I'm driving down the road. But if I'm working out in the gym, I'm going to be focused on my training session. So I can pay a little bit of attention while I'm doing that. But I want to make sure that I'm, uh, that I'm focused on my training session first and foremost because that's my primary purpose. So I want to have something that's a little bit lighter, a little bit maybe perhaps a book that's more of a narrative format. It will probably still be nonfiction, but it will be what I call the Malcolm Gladwell narrative style where there's all kinds of interesting story bits in her weaved between the facts and data, and I don't have to have 100% attention on it. And then I want to make sure I have some light content where if I'm washing the dishes after dinner and I've been working, I've been thinking, and I've been doing a lot of heavy lifting all day mentally, it's tough for me to say I want to break into a meaty, uh, meaty book. So there I might want to have some light podcast that, that still I'm going to be learning something. It's going to be more beneficial to my life than watching the news. It's going to be more helpful than, than watching TV. But it's not the meat that I can handle when I'm in the car. So by always having a variety of genres and a variety of reading material and listening material ready to go on your phone, then you'll be prepared. And what happens when you start to break down that information, you'd be shocked at how many how much you can consume in little segments here and there and five minutes here and 15 minutes there and 20 minutes at the other place. I've been starting to do a bunch of book reviews, and I'll be doing more book reviews. And so I sat down, and I actually last week uh, tried to figure out how many audiobooks I consumed. I think I consumed four audiobooks last week. That was just one week. Now, I don't have that set as a goal where I have to consume a certain amount, but I happen to be doing things where I was able to consume that many audiobooks last week. And when you start catching the little bits here and there and start putting that time to learning time, it's incredible how much knowledge and, and education you can accumulate. The next trick is in the same way that I suggest that you listen to many podcasts at a faster rate of speed, listen to audiobooks at a 2x speed or greater if possible. My biggest complaint when we get to some specific audiobook providers is that many of the audiobook apps don't allow 2x speed. And only one of them allows for more than 2x speed. And for me, that's a big deal because, again, depending on the type of content, I might be able to process something very quickly or very slowly. I find that processing speed depends on your familiarity with the vocabulary of the content, the genre that you're consuming. For me, with finance, I can get through finance books in no time at all because I'm comfortable with the vocabulary and I have all the big ideas. So I don't listen for every little 
specific. I listen for the big ideas and I just kind of file it away and I try to, I almost, I think I kind of create these little pictures. Okay, this is this philosophy, this strategy. I try to fit it into my mental framework. I can't sit down with a subject I'm unfamiliar with. For example, I've been working my way through uh, Mark Ripito's book, Starting Strength. It's all about focused on some the basic weightlifting exercises. I've been working hard on getting stronger myself physically. I can't sit down with that content and just buzz through it because I'm not as very familiar with the vocabulary. I'm not very familiar with the concepts. I'm not familiar with the structures and the framework. So I have to read that very slowly. This comment applies also to the, to the concept of speed reading. Uh, I've studied a little bit of speed reading when I was younger because I thought it would help me. I've never achieved success with any of the, the so-called speed reading techniques. What I have found is just simply that if I know a content or I'm interested in a content, I can read very quickly. Or if I'm unfamiliar with the content, however, I need to slow down. And then depending on the type of reading material, uh, that will uh, – then my reading speed will vary greatly. If I'm interested, for example, if there's a, a Tom Clancy novel that comes out or uh, you know, a Brad Thor novel, something like that. I generally don't read many novels, but if I go on vacation, I'll usually grab uh, a novel. Well, I can get through a 1,000-page novel that's a, a techno-political thriller in about two or three days. I've done it several times. So it's not that – that's a pretty fast reading speed. But that's very different than me working my way through a difficult economics book or something like that. So when possible – Increasing the listening speed helps you to consume much more content. Now, you need good audio quality to, to be able to listen quickly. And so you got to plan for that. you got to have appropriate headphones. you got to have an appropriately quiet environment if you're listening in the car or something like that so that you can actually be able to fully process that information. But with some books, especially books that have a narrative component, uh, I'm able to listen, for example, with the Audible app, I'm able to listen at about 3x speed and absorb a lot of the information. That helps a ton. When you take an audiobook that's 14 hours and you can drop that down into three and a half, that helps you to consume a lot more. Really, really useful. For me, that's one of my biggest requirements of audiobook apps, uh, uh, actually. So those are some tips about how to, uh, I guess, get a lot of benefit out of audiobooks. But what about the cost? What about the frugality? How do you figure out whether or not you should buy audiobooks, whether you shouldn't buy audiobooks? How do you decide what's an appropriate price to pay versus the value that you get from something? I'm going to give you some free options of ways to consume audiobooks for free and also some paid options. But for me, one of the things to question is, am I consuming something as entertainment such that it's a consumption item or am I consuming something that's an investment? In my mind, that's going to make a big difference in how much money is appropriate to dedicate towards it. Let's assume that I love listening to novels, and I do enjoy listening to some good thrillers. Uh, I enjoy usually I, I listen to a good thriller on, on on a long road trip, and I'll swing by the library and get some CDs for again a Brad Thor novel or, or some something like that. Uh, beautifully well written, interesting content, engaging stories for me, but that's an entertainment item. So if I were had a long commute and I was consuming dozens of novel or a few novels a month, I would need to set an appropriate budget on that in the same way that I would need to set an appropriate budget on any entertainment. 
me personally, I don't see the point in buying novels. If the library has it, I'll get it from the library. The only exception is if there's a book I really want to read and it's not available at the library. I brought Matthew Bracken on the show. I had bought his novels because I couldn't get find them anywhere at the library. But I don't want to read a novel twice, so for me, that's a perfect library system, library item. But if it's not entertainment, if it's education, well, now it switches to a different category. Now it's an investment. It's an investment in myself. And so now I'm going to take whatever percentage of my income I'm dedicating towards personal uh, development, three, four, five, ten percent of my income. That's going to be a sizable amount of money. And now I've got a budget and I've got to decide how can I most appropriately deploy this budget. Well, part of my appropriate way of deploying that budget might be to deploy it into audiobooks. Part of it might be audio programs. Part of it might be seminars. Part of it might be private coaching. But now I've got a different value situation. That doesn't mean that I should automatically go out and buy something if I can get it for free. So if the library offers something and I can get it conveniently for myself, then why should I go out and pay for it? The rules of finance still hold true. We should still spend less. Anytime we can spend less, that's always going to be good, and that'll free up more capital for something else. But there's a difference between entertainment, consumption, and investment. There are some types of books and some types of learning that are very well suited to audiobooks. Let's talk about that. The type of book that is best suited to an audiobook is first and foremost a book that is available on audio. And yes, it's a little bit funny, but I'm not just joking. I mean it in the sense that many books are simply not available anywhere on audio. So that's the first question. If a book is not available in an audio format, then you're obviously going to need to read it. Personally, I find that some of the most helpful books to me are not available on audio. They might be small. They might be old. They might just simply be unpopular. The reality is an audiobook provider, a recorder, is in business. And the books that are the most popular on the mass market are the ones in which they're probably going to make the most money. But unfortunately, the books that are most popular in the mass market are probably not going to be very useful to me in my life. They're probably not going to help me achieve my goals. The latest Stephen King novel is going to have a massive market for its audiobook. The latest self-published Kindle uh, book on online marketing affiliate strategies written by a world-class internet marketer is probably not going to have an audiobook associated with it. The general mass public wants to be entertained. So most of the books that are going to be available on audiobooks are either going to be pure entertainment or entertaining versions of nonfiction books. So that's okay. It's just a market market saying what it wants. But that means that a lot of the books that are actually going to be the most helpful in helping me achieve my goals are not going to be available on audio. And much of the best, most valuable information in the world, never going to be on audio. So ask yourself, is this book that I want to read available on audio? Next question is, is the content of this book absorbable in an audio format? If I want to consume a finance book, 
a simple get out of debt finance book with big picture personal finance, consumer finance concepts, that type of content will be very absorbable in audio. I used to give away copies of Dave Ramsey's My Total Money Makeover uh, CDs, uh, the CDs of him reading his audio book to people as a wedding present. That's easily absorbable. But a numbers and data and chart-heavy investing book is not av- absorbable in audio. The books that work best are going to have some narrative component. Uh, and you'll just have to look at it and say, okay, is this, is this a good fit? Next question, is the content of the book familiar to you? One of the downsides and advantages of audio is that you have to process it in real time as a linear f- as a linear stream of information. It's hard to stop an audiobook and 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 do something else and then come back and pick up and do something else and come back and pick up. So if you're very unfamiliar with the concepts, the vocabulary of a topic, you might want to start with a written version where you can stop and look up a word or you can slow down or you can reread the paragraph. Might not work so well in audio. Next, does the book require action and engagement with the content? Most action exercises don't work well in an audio format unless they're specifically planned as an audio-only program. Usually the books that have action exercises don't translate well to audio. There might be four excellent journaling questions at the end of a section of the book. And if you were reading it, you'd immediately take out a piece of paper and start writing your answers. Or you'd flip to the back cover and scroll it all in the back cover. But in an audio format, you'll just hear four questions. And you're not going to stop because you're driving down the road and you don't want to hit pause. So you're going to hear those four questions. You're going to keep going. So some books are just – they need action and engagement. Another question is, do you need this book available as reference so that you can go back and revisit the key ideas? Audio is very difficult to reference. Books are much more useful. You can pick it up, flip through, read the table of contents and recognize the content and that will trigger your memory. Audiobooks, it's hard to do that. They're linear. Next question, do you want to simply review it and remember it? So sometimes – it might be best to actually get an audiobook if there's something that you want to review and remember from time to time. Perhaps there's a book that you've already read, but you just want to reinforce the concepts by re-listening to it. There are some books that I try to regularly revisit. Example would be Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think everybody in the world should listen to that once a year. Or another example, just releasing on the sh- on the uh, blog and on Facebook uh, a review of, of Ryan Tracy's Eat That Frog. Right now, I'm trying to listen to that once a month just because I'm really working hard on being able to produce and increase my own effectiveness in output. And so that book is the perfect summary of the basic concepts. So those would be two, by the way, at the end, uh, when I talk about audiobook providers uh, and uh, share with you some affiliate links, those would be two good books. If you're not familiar with either of those, the audio version of both of those is excellent. So Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy and uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. So those are some good, useful uh, questions, I think, for when you want to consume a book to try to figure out, should I buy the book or should I – excuse me, buy the, buy the physical copy of the book uh, or should I listen to the audio book? What about a framework for choosing an audiobook provider? For me, I think there's three major factors. Number one, the selection of the audiobook provider, the cost of the books and the program, and then the actual features of the ways that you can consume it. So selection, uh, an example here would be, number one, the type of books. Lots of selection out there for fiction, some nonfiction. Some providers have more of a selection than others. 
maybe the content is cutting edge, and so uh, the library is not going to have it. Another example would be something like foreign language. One thing that's important to me, one way I try to in increase my, uh, my own personal, I guess, effectiveness and use of time is to take a book that I want to listen to uh, multiple times and listen to it in Spanish or listen to it in French. Something like that, taking a concepts that I know and getting double value for it. So if I'm listening to How to Win Friends and Influence People, or if I'm listening to a couple weeks ago, I was listening to The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, well, I might as well go ahead and listen to that in another language, practice my foreign language skills, while also reminding myself of the key concepts and reminding myself of the ideas. That can be really useful. So... Some audiobook companies, for example, I download Spanish books from, from Audible because they've they got a great selection. My library has exactly zero uh, Spanish books, uh, books in Spanish. They've got a number of ones of how to learn Spanish, but zero books in Spanish, zero books in French. Audible has lots, so that's really useful to me. Cost of the program, I'm going to go over some costs right now, but the cost range is from free you know, watching um, pirated audiobooks on YouTube, uh, listening to them from the library too expensive. <laughs> Go on iTunes and buy an audiobook and sometimes of them are 30, 40 bucks. And then finally, features. Does the app allow you to download content to your device so you're not burning through your data on the road? Does the app allow you to adjust the playback speed so that you can listen to it at faster than 1x speed? CDs. I have a note here. CDs versus MP3. CDs are fine, but they're, you know, they're tough. They're dying out. Uh, you can, the cool thing about CDs, you can get them from the library. I don't like to listen to them because I can only listen at one x speed, and also uh, I don't. I barely, you know, the only place I have a CD player is in the car, so the MP3s are much more useful. So let's talk about where to get audiobooks. And here I'm going to talk primarily about pricing and also some features. The exact pricing structure of each of these programs is a little bit difficult to uh, pin down precisely. Uh, but because most of them work on a system of credits and then additional purchases. So what I'd encourage you is take this broad information that I give, give to you, and then if you have a specific focus for yourself on a specific types of audiobooks or specific uh, you know, consumption patterns that you have, then you can research it further with the providers here. Let's start, let's start with free. <laughs> this is a radical personal finance show. We don't want to go spend money unnecessarily. So what are the free options for us to, to be able to um, listen to books? Well, best free option, which is really, really great, is going to be your library. And so from your library, you can either go and you can get CDs or even better, most libraries will now allow you to have access to their, uh, to their digital option. They have some apps that allow you to consume digital content directly over their app, and that is really, really useful. The two apps that my library has are an app called Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A, Hoopla, and an app called Overdrive. Both of these are kind of a pain if the book that you want is not available to borrow. But for the fact that it's free to you, except for what you pay on your property tax to support your local library system, this can be really useful because as the content is available there – 
you just you mind you know both of these apps they have a wish list you can put the wish items on your wish list you can say borrow when available so then whenever that book comes up in the queue it'll just boom download to your device that's really useful but if you want to read a book or if you want to listen to a book right away and it's not available it might not be available for months because they have a limited number of copies that they're able to send out through the app so it's kind of a pain if the book that you want is not available to to borrow but you can't beat the price. And both of these apps, for me, have really good selection. They've got a good selection of newer books and of older books. They've got a pretty good starting selection. Uh, I could take any one of these apps and never run out of things that I'm interested in listening to. So they're a pretty good place to start. Hoopla is my least favorite of those two. First of all, it's kind of a buggy app, it, at least for me on my Android, uh, where, which is why I listen to audiobooks. It starts and stops and starts and stops. Uh, there's no foreign language material, which is a downside for me. And the big one, it doesn't do 2x. So I'm restricted to 1x. And I know I'm harping on that, but for me, it's a big deal. Because if I can, especially in the position that I'm in as a you know, the, the, the career I've chosen for myself here doing radical personal finance, I need to be a very knowledgeable and focused person and I need to have a broader range of knowledge. So if I can pack in two to three times the amount of information into what otherwise would be one time the information, over time the cumulative effect of that is going to be massive. Just to take any rate of return that you want to calculate from a financial perspective and compare and double that. That's what the rate of return is of the information and the knowledge for me, especially since I have an ability to apply that broad-based knowledge in the form of creating uh, compelling verbal content for you to consume. I'm in many ways a filter for you on the marketplace. So I need to be current on the key ideas. I need to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's interesting. From time to time, people will make statements on the show. Joshua, you don't know what you're talking about here. Well, I might not. I could always be wrong. I really mean that. I could be wrong. But often I could cite for you why, where I learned something that I, that I said. Uh, and that's really valuable for me as a content creator to be widely read, to be very knowledgeable. Hoopla does a good job, doesn't do 2x. Overdrive is a great program. It works very, very well. Uh, good ability to download multiple audiobooks at once. It does 2x speed, which is awesome. Uh, it just really works well. It does have limited selection. So if your library has both Overdrive and Hoopla, check out Overdrive. Incidentally, Overdrive and Hoopla also do ebooks. And at least Hoopla does videos, does movies. So you can get free movies there instead of a Netflix subscription if your library supports that. Another free option is a, uh, an app called LibriVox, which LibriVox is, features uh, open, uh, open source uh, – well, uh, public domain. That's the word. Public domain books that are in the public domain. And it usually has amateur narrators that have – or just normal people who have sat down and read the book – some are great, some are not great. And that can be, it can be hit or miss with LibriVox. You might not have a great narrator, you might not have great production quality, but if there's a book that you're interested in that's in the public domain, this would be a good place to check. Uh, LibriVox app, only 1x speed. That's a bummer. Another place for free audiobooks is YouTube. Now, I'm not a fan of this because it's theft, and I don't think you should steal from people, even if you can. Don't steal from people just because you can. <laughs> the ethics of stealing are not based upon you're getting away with it. The ethics of stealing, in my worldview, are based upon an absolute standard of right and wrong. If your worldview has uh, relative ethics, which many do, 
I guess you can do this, but I recommend that you not um, for a couple reasons. Number one, a moral reason. Don't sacrifice your soul for a loaf of bread. Uh, that's a reference to a biblical story, uh, but don't, don't, don't give up your birthright for a bowl of soup. What a waste for you to, to save $10 from being a, a cheap jerk and not being willing to buy uh, a piece of content and then turning yourself into a thief. Number two is how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you get in the habit of stealing people's content by taking and going to YouTube where somebody has illegally uploaded a copywritten uh, book, that's going to be who you are. And if you'll steal there, you'll steal anywhere. Obviously, there's we all run a risk-reward scenario. So just because if you are in the habit of consuming your books on YouTube and you say, well, I wouldn't steal anywhere, well, maybe just the risk-reward function hasn't worked out. But I'm not the only one who thinks this. You read books and people, will, for example, business people will go out on a golf course and see whether somebody cheats with their golf score. And then they'll use that as a point to judge whether or not they're going to do business with someone. Uh, I don't think you should ever do business with anybody who ever lies to you in any circumstance whatsoever, period. Because if somebody will lie to you in one circumstance, they'll lie to you in another circumstance. If somebody, if you know that somebody will cheat on somebody else, well, they'll cheat on you unless there's been a profound change in their life. So in my mind, you've got to be very careful with your character and very careful with your discipline. Now, that said, I've done it. And, and I've done it, and I've I've repented from it, and, I've, and I, I don't do it anymore. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. There's enough great content on YouTube in the form of conferences where it's a little more questionable. Maybe they do have the rights to it, or something like that, or audio presentations that I think you're much better off. But you know, I, when I realized years ago that I was stealing content, stealing songs, and all that stuff, I just said, "That's it. That's not the kind of person that I want to be." And I recommend it uh, to you. So don't do the YouTube thing. Um, just don't do it. It's not worth it. So next, uh, let's talk about uh, paid apps. So there are a number of uh, there are a bunch of different options. I've tried to distill down to a few of the better ones. And the first one that's not on the most popular is allyoucanbooks.com. Allyoucanbooks.com. This is one of those mid tier ones. I don't know about the selection. I think they, they have a much smaller selection than the big boys do. They claim that they have over 30,000 audiobooks and ebooks. They have a plan which is really attractive that they have a plan where you can have a one month free trial and then they have a plan for $19.99 a month, so 20 bucks a month. And the cool thing about their option is that their plan, they have an unlimited plan. And so the unlimited plan allows you to just pay a flat $20 per month and then have an unlimited access to audiobooks and ebooks. That's really cool. Some books, some used to have an unlimited plan. For example, audiobooks.com used to have an unlimited plan for $24.95. They no longer have it. Uh, Scribed, which I'll get to in a moment, has an unlimited plan. So that's really cool. But who, All You Can Books does have that unlimited plan. It is a good price. 
But because I've got Scribd, Hoopla, and Overdrive as better options, I don't see why I would choose them. And there are some things that concern me about their site. This is the only service that I didn't test personally with uh, signing up for an account and actually trying all the apps in preparation for this show. Uh, I made sure that I went out and checked all the options and double-checked the ones that I wasn't previously subscribed to to test everything. And this is the only one I didn't test. And the reason is because when you sign up for a plan, it says right there that you have to call customer service to cancel. Any I distrust any company that will allows me to sign up for a 30-day trial digitally set up an account, enter my credit card information, and then doesn't have an ability for me to cancel my account online. Now, I did some checking, and some people were able to. Some people were concerned about that. Some people were able to uh, just call up and talk to the customer service representative and cancel no problem. So it's probably no big deal, but for me, it is a big deal. I don't trust that type of business practice. There's no reason in the world why you can't just have a simple unsubscribe button, cancel my account, make it simple and easy for the customer to cancel. I like that business practice much more than making it impossible for the customer to cancel. You may not. Now, another concern I have is they don't list the books that they have before you buy. So you can't have access to their library. You can't say, uh, you can't say, oh, here, I've got this other, uh, I'm looking for this book. Let me go see. Do they have it? And you find out they do. Rather, their library is actually hidden behind the account. And so that makes it tough for me to know their selection. So I wasn't willing to sign up for their trial account to check out their selection, check out their apps. But you might be. Allyoucanbooks.com, uh, $19.99 a month, unlimited plan. Next one is iTunes. I'm going to skip past iTunes. iTunes is self-explanatory. Any of you who are on an iOS device, you know what it's like to buy apps. Um, thing for me with iTunes, I don't want to buy audiobooks from iTunes. Number one, I don't want to be stuck with Apple. I don't want everything stuck inside the Apple ecosystem, and the prices are bad. Um, so unless they do deals from time to time, which they might, the prices that they, the retail prices they charge for audiobooks just really feel expensive to me. Uh, if you like iTunes, go for it. You don't have to worry about trusting them or anything like that. Next one, which is really useful, is Scribd. S-C-R-I-B-D. Scribd is really cool. Scribd is a site that has all kinds of content. They've got a bunch of books. They've got PDFs that people upload. People can upload all kinds of information to the site, and then they can sell it piecemeal uh, off of the site. Uh, so there's a, there's a huge selection. But they have over 30,000 audiobooks, and they've got some really good ones. And the cool thing, eight bucks a month for unlimited books and audiobooks. Eight bucks a month for unlimited books and audiobooks. That is an awesome deal. Scribed is really, really cool. The only downside described is selection. 30,000 audiobooks. That's different than Audible's 150,000 plus. And Scribe doesn't offer 2x speed. <laughs> Sorry, I'm harping on it. It's a big deal to me. I'd almost rather pay for the book and be able to listen to it three times faster than have to listen to it at 1x speed. But Scribed is a really cool deal. Uh, Downpour is another one. So Downpour.com has a system for uh, uh, books, $12.99 a month. And what they have is they have a system of credits. And that's how these next three, Downpour, Audiobooks.com, and Audible, have credits. So $12.99 a month, you get one credit per month, and you can get a book for a credit. So you can basically get one book a month for $12.99 a month. 
they say that 90% of their titles are one credit. No, excuse me, 97% of their titles are one credit. So they will have some expensive ones that might not be one credit, but that's pretty cool. They have a good selection. One of the things that I like most about Downpour is they have the option for a digital rental. So if you've exceeded your number of credits on some of their books, you've gone ahead and gotten your, your one credit book and you've downloaded the one that you own now as a one credit book, but you want to listen to something more. Well, if you are want to listening, wanting to listen to a book that you don't want to buy, you, but you do want to hear, you can go ahead and get it through Downpour with a rental option. And that's pretty cool. It allows you to listen to it for a fee. You don't own it, but you can rent it. They have good selection. I really like it. Big benefit, they have 2x speed playback. So I like Downpour a lot. Uh, audiobooks.com. Audiobooks used to have an unlimited model, an unlimited account where you could, for 25 bucks a month, download unlimited books. Awesome. They don't have it anymore. So now it's $14.95 a month, and that gives you one credit per month and download one, one, uh, one book. Audiobooks.com is the second largest audiobook provider, at least based upon the research that I've done, uh, second to Audible. Uh, they do a good job. Uh, they've got a lot of a lot of books. They've got a free model. You can sign up for. You get one month free, one free audiobook when you sign up for a trial, and then from then on, it's fourteen ninety five a month. Downsized audiobook dot com. Number one, they don't have as big a selection as Audible. And for here, the big concern for me here is that they're the same price as Audible. They don't have any benefits that I can perceive beyond Audible. But they have a more limited selection. So if you're going with one or the other, why would you not just go with Audible? Number two is their app on the Android only allows you 1x speed on the Android app. They do allow 2x speed on the iTunes app, but they max at 2x speed. So there's nothing wrong with them. They're pretty good, but I don't think they're as good as Audible. And Audible is the final one. So Audible has a, is owned by Amazon now. And Audible, I, 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 I think it's the best audiobook provider uh, for a few reasons. Number one, their app goes up to 3x speed. And I think that's brilliant because compare when I – again, when I can consume three books in the time you can consume one – that's going to make a huge difference over time as far as the sheer amount of ideas and input that I'm able to process to be able to effectively articulate and apply to my goals. That's going to be really valuable. So the 3x speed is brilliant. Number two, there's lots of foreign language books, and that's a big deal for me. If you uh, speak a, a second or third language, go ahead and check out for in foreign language books. That can be really useful. Number three, you own the books when you buy them with the fourteen ninety five a month, and you own the books and you have it for and you own it forever and you can use it. Plus, because it's owned by Amazon, you have the security of knowing that they're probably going to be around, pretty established. They offer deals. I know Audiobooks does it too. Most of these companies will do their daily deals, but Audible has a lot of daily deals where you can go ahead and once you have an account, you can buy a book for three bucks or four bucks or five bucks, and that really helps. Big one benefit is they have something that's really cool called WhisperSync for Voice. WhisperSync for Voice is awesome. What you do is if you you have to buy the Kindle version of the book and the Audible version of the book. Uh, so you have to actually buy both, but I think they have discounts on them. Uh, I don't, I've never actually done WhisperSync. My wife has it on her phone uh, because she has the Amazon uh, Fire phone, but I've, I have never actually used this. But I think this is going to be big in the future, and I will use this in the future. Uh, 
once I found out about it. I didn't know about it until I was researching this show. And now I'm totally sold on it. I was sold on Audible before. Now I'm totally sold on WhisperSync because of WhisperSync. So what it does, it integrates the Kindle app and the Audible app and allows you to seamlessly go from reading the ebook to listening to the narrated book. Not just the Kindle app reading you the information in the monotonous computer tone that sounds like this, but actually the narrated audible version, which is cool. And it syncs in between, so you can be reading at home, reading, 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 get in the car, boom, play the audible version on your car, get out, read on the train or whatever it is that you do. So I think this is really, really cool to have this whisper sync. When you look at Amazon uh, and you look at all of the stuff that they offer, Amazon used books, awesome. I always just go there and just buy the book for two ninety nine. One of the things in my reading habits I've realized, uh, I do get books from time to time from the library. I get novels from the library. But I've reached a stage where I realize if I'm gonna, interested in reading a book, I want to own it. And the reason I want to own it is because I need to mark up my books in order to get the most out of them. For me to be able to remember the content effectively, I write all over them. I highlight them like crazy. I write in the front. I write in the back. I want to mark my books up. And... Uh, that helps me to retain the information. And I've decided for me at this stage of my financial life, it's more valuable for me to buy a book that I can mark up and retain than for me to get a book from the library that I'm not, I can't mark up and then I don't retain. Uh, I retain a lot less when I don't interact with the book. So when you put all the stuff together with Amazon, I mean, they've just done such a great job of fulfilling multiple needs. And you say, okay, I can buy my new used book there easily. I can buy my new books there. I can get the Kindle. I can subscribe to Kindle Unlimited, which is very cool. I can get WhisperSync for voice. Uh, <laughs> I can get Audible. It's, it's pretty awesome. So I think Audible is a really cool, uh, a really cool option. Um, all of these have digital rights management associated with them. If you're not familiar with digital rights management, basically, uh, if you download an Audible file, you can't just it's, – it's not an MP3 file. It's a .aa file. And so that file is not going to be easily transferred. You have to use the Audible Audio Manager. It's a way of protecting the copyright and protecting the information for the – uh, producer uh, of the content. There are ways around it. In this case, I think you own the content. So I think uh, you should be able to control it and do what you want with it once you buy the book. So there are some simple ways for you to convert the .aa files to mp3 files, and then you can have them without the that the digital rights management. Not necessarily simple, but it's doable. Um, me personally, I, it's not a big deal. I've, I've got it audible, so I can go ahead and just consume that. Should you get stuff for free or should you pay? Well, uh, I think you should get anything for free that can benefit for you, but I'm certainly getting to the point where I need, especially when I can justify it in my life as a business expense, I'm getting to the point where I I feel much better about paying for convenience. And I don't know what's right for you. you got to decide that. But sometimes it's annoying. If I need to read a book because somebody asked me to do a review on it or this is a cutting-edge finance book, I need to get it from I – I can't wait for it at the library. I need to go ahead and get it. Uh, or if I need to be able to consume the info, if I can go ahead and consume three books in the time of one with the limited time I have and then that's going to have multiplying effects in my life, in my mind, I view that as an investment. you got to check it out for yourself and you got to consider what uh, what you actually want to do and what's right for you. 
but hopefully this information and this background will set you off and and send you in a good spot. So let's wrap up with affiliates. So I've set up some affiliate programs, and the cool thing about it is you can choose based upon my descriptions. I've signed up for four affiliate programs, Audible, Audiobooks, Downpour, and Scribed. The first three pay me a direct commission when you sign up for a free trial. So if you know of a reason why you prefer audiobooks.com instead of audible.com, fine. Go ahead. I'm setting up. I'm still waiting on the, the links for um, uh, for audiobooks and downpour uh, to be finalized. I've applied to those, but I'm still waiting on them to be finalized. Uh, so I will have affiliate links for those, and probably by the time you hear this, I'll do that. I'll tell you where to go in just a second. So uh, audiobooks and downpour pay me a commission when you sign up for a free trial, which is cool. Uh, Audible also pays me a commission when you sign up for a free trial. Scribed doesn't actually have a commissioned model where they pay a commission. What they do is if you sign up using my Scribed link, they give me a free month service. So I think Scribed is cool. It's Scribed is an awesome deal. One of the reasons I think why you get it uh, at a great price and you get that eight bucks a month for unlimited is because they don't have a commissions paid out. They don't have to pay um, every podcast in the world. This show is sponsored by Audible. <laughs> they don't have to pay every podcast in the world their commissions. So I wanted to make sure you know about Scribe. For me, um, for my personal consumption, it's Audible, Scribe, Hoopla, and Overdrive. Um, so usually between Audible and Overdrive, I can consume the content pretty quickly. And then with Scribe as a backup for some other information or when I just don't want to listen quickly and Hoopla uh, as another library system for when I don't want to listen quickly, I got more than enough to listen to, especially when you put that into the podcast that I listen to. I'd encourage you to take the information. I believe, based upon the reasons that I said, Audible is the best solution. Uh, if you're just going to start with one and get the one book a month for the 15 bucks a month, Try Audible. Does 3x speed, which is awesome. Lots of the biggest selection, over 150,000 titles, lots of foreign language books. They have the daily deals. They have the whisper sync for voice. Everything's put together on the Amazon platform so you can have everything set together. So check out the Audible trial program. All of these programs have different options. So the Audible trial program is a free audiobook with a three with a 30-day trial. And then after the 30-day trial, if you choose to not cancel it, it's the same as how it always is. You put in your credit card information. If you cancel it in 30 days, you're not billed. After the 30 days, then they bill you $14.95 a month until you cancel. And then you get a credit every month, which is good for an audiobook every month. So you can cancel any time, and it's, and it's good to go. And you can cancel before the trial period ends. So that's an, audi, uh, an audible deal. Uh, actually, over 180,000 titles uh, is what their site says now. Audiobooks has a same same exact deal, free 30-day trial, free audiobook, and $14.95 a month uh, thereafter. I think Downpour's deal is the same. Remember, their their price is a little bit cheaper. It's 13 bucks a month. And uh, and they've got a great selection and they got the 2x playback speed. So that's uh, that's those are my audio that, that's my analysis of the audiobook marketplace. I hope it's useful to you. From now on, I am going to exclusively refer to Audible unless something changes in the marketplace. That's better for me to do for the branding and just for having everything go on one place. I want to be a big fish uh, affiliate in the Audible ecosystem. That will allow me to get better deals, better sponsorship things and as, as time goes on. And it will just be more convenient for me to remember. So I want to be able – I'm going to now on, unless there's something changed in the marketplace and I think there's a better deal, I'm going to exclusively talk about Audible and have the show sponsored by Audible. Uh, if you have a difference, if you think I'm wrong about something, I value the information. Come by today's show and let me know. 
But from here going forward, with this show as background and clear, uh, <laughs> clear disclosure, Radical Personal Finance is sponsored by Audible. <laughs> Hope that's useful to you. If you're interested in any of the others, um, check it out. So here's the deal. Go to RadicalAudiobooks.com. RadicalAudiobooks.com. That is where I'll put the information. RadicalAudiobooks.com. And you can follow the affiliate link to Audible. And you can set up a trial uh, subscription. For all of these, I get a commission when you sign up for a trial subscription. So if you just want to get a free audiobook and cancel, that's fine with me. It helps me regardless. Uh, so, And I think you should. Uh, I think 15 bucks a month is a good deal for you to make sure that you're consuming at least one book a month, uh, maybe more uh, in addition to your library listening. Check it out. So uh, RadicalAudioBooks.com is the site where I'll put all the information. If you want to go directly to the Audible link and you just want the verbal link, go to AudibleTrial.com slash Radical Personal Finance. Uh, AudibleTrial.com slash Radical Personal Finance. But your easiest thing to do is just going to go to RadicalAudioBooks.com. RadicalAudiobooks.com. Should I say it one more time so you remember? RadicalAudiobooks.com. <laughs> so very cool. Make sure that you uh, check out the page on Facebook and also start checking out the blog. I'm going to be do- I'm doing a lot more uh, video stuff. I'm doing more book reviews. I'm putting more stuff on the blog. And I'm going to start writing more content for the show. So make sure you swing over to RadicalPersonalFinance.com. Also, as of after today's show is published, I am fixing the email newsletter sign-up issue. So I am fixing that. And that. so even those of you who haven't been receiving emails from me, you'll be able to receive emails from me. It's been broken for too long, and I've finally got it all worked out, so I'm going to fix. That means the reason I'm announcing it here is that some of you are losing, are going to be losing access to the show probably after this show. Some of you are just being deleted. I apologize. The show is still here. We're still going. Just make sure that you, if you lose access to the show, delete the show feed in your account, in your iTunes or whatever it is that you're subscribed in. Delete the feed. Go into the store and search again. Or the best way is just take your phone out, search the app store for Radical Personal Finance, and you'll find the actual Radical Personal Finance app, and you'll always have access through the Radical Personal Finance app. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Thank you to those of you who are patrons of the show. If this has been helpful to you, if you don't want to sign up for an Audible subscription, go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron and support the show directly. Be back with you all soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast with our free mobile app so you don't miss a single episode. Just search the App Store on your device for Radical Personal Finance, and you'll find our free app. If you have received value from the content of this show, please consider becoming a patron. Your financial support is how I pay the bills for the show and how I plan to grow our content. You can support the show with as little as a dollar a month or as much as you feel the content is worth. Details are at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash patron. If you'd like to contact me personally, my email address is joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com or connect with the show on Twitter at RadicalPF and at facebook.com slash radicalpersonalfinance. This show is intended to provide entertainment, education, and financial enlightenment. But your situation is unique, and I cannot deliver any actionable advice without knowing anything about you. Please develop a team of professional advisors who you find to be caring, competent, and trustworthy, and consult them because they are the ones who can understand your specific needs, your specific goals, and provide specific answers to your questions. I've done my absolute best to be clear and accurate in today's show, but I'm one person and I make mistakes. If you spot a mistake in something I've said, please come by the show page and comment so we can all learn together. 
Until tomorrow, thanks for being here.